Hello everyone, welcome to the third episode of Cat's Pajamas Combos and I'm really pleased to say today we are talking to Martin Evans um, all about the thorny issue of crisis communications. So Martin is founder and director of Tandem Comms and I'm very happy to say also a founding member of the Cat's Pajamas Collaborative. Um, so Martin, uh, welcome and tell us a little bit about you. Hey carrie Ann, and hello everybody. Um, yeah, my, um, so my name's Martin, obviously, and um, I've been running Tandem Comms for 18 months or so, but my background before that was um, in the NHS for eight years as a director of comms, um, prior to that 20 years as a military officer in the Royal Air Force, and then NHS as a generalist manager before that, so most of my background is public sector. And why crisis comms? Well, I really, throughout my whole of my career, I've dealt with different crises, different areas of stress and difficult um, situations, I suppose. A lot in the military, as you would expect, and you trained well in the military to deal with those sort of things. And then in the last eight years of my NHS career as a specialist comms person, dealing with crisis comms in, in many different ways. I was, I was a director of a mental health trust, so um, it was more in, in that sort of arena, if you like. But also, I was the sponsor for the local STP and all the comms around um, uh, public consultations for changes in the acute sector, etc. So that's a little bit about me. Brilliant. So um, you've teed yourself up nicely to be an expert in the crisis there, Martin. So um, shall we go straight into um, talking about and understanding what, what a crisis is? So, so from your point of view, what is a crisis? Well, there's lots of there's some theories behind crisis and what a crisis is. I think the best way to describe it is probably to say that um, a crisis is um, unpredictable. Um, it's a, a time of intense, intense difficulty or could be danger, and its decisions need to be made and communications handled. I think there is a difference between crisis management and crisis comms. Crisis comms make up the the crisis management so we shouldn't get sort of confused that a um, comms expert is running the whole crisis much of it might be um, about communications and that might be a main lead but you're not running the whole um, crisis itself so essentially a crisis it disrupts it's intense it's unpredictable and it demands extraordinary measures um, I guess um, so and sort of examples well, obviously, things like the coronavirus at the moment is one that's sort of very, very clear in people's minds. Um, if you think of the, the royal family sort of issues recently, either with Prince Andrew or um, with Prince Harry, uh, in some respects, that's a bit of a crisis for the, those handling it. Um, but what isn't a crisis is things like your chief exec saying, we, our flu statistics aren't as, uh, as good as they should be. Uh, it's a crisis. We need to do something about it. That's just a bad day in the office, isn't it, really? Um, so does that, does that help explain what a crisis is? Absolutely, and that's a really good distinction between what's a bad day in the office and what is a genuine crisis. So I'm sure there are many of us who feel like our bad days in the office are almost at crisis level, but um, definitely a good distinction for us there. And the, the unpredictability, I think, is, is uh, probably the one that, that makes people feel most panicked. So um, you've touched on some big kind of uh, crises. So you've given examples of like a national crisis um, and, you know, you've, you've 
talked about handling some of those, but is it different if you work for or you run a very small business or, or is it the same? Uh, I think the planning behind it is the same um, and how you plan to deal with the crisis. I'm a planner and there's a common theme throughout this discussion is going to be about planning because that's what I do um, and I think it works. Um, it, unplanned events still hit small businesses as well as as, as well as large organisations, large businesses. Um, it, it might be different, so it might be you know, IT system failure, it might be illness of key staff. And if you're a small company and you lose two or three people through flu or anything like that, you, you're really stuck, aren't you? So you've got to have a plan to, to be able to cope. Um, to cope with the crisis as to manage it, but also to cope with the communications behind that. So, so for instance, if you've got, you know, a couple of key members off sick, You've got to be able to provide sort of backup behind that, but you've also got to communicate that to your customers, to the people you deal with, to your key stakeholders. So I think the principles are the same, large or small, uh, and the planning process is the same. Um, yeah, that's that, that's how I would see it. Excellent, and, and I'm sure you're going to talk us through some of the um, kind of planning aspects uh, shortly, but I guess one of the things that, that comes to mind for me is when you are in a crisis situation and you are the person responsible for um, communicating that and, and planning the communications around that, how do you stop yourself from getting sucked into the drama of the crisis, as it were? Um, it's difficult. I think in some public sector organisations, it becomes quite emotional. Um, well, actually, in any business, it can, can become quite emotional, either from you know the senior hierarchy or actually from what you're hearing. If you're if it's a crisis that involves you know, human emotions, it's it's always going to be quite difficult. The important thing for me, what I've always saying through through my career, is um, to keep calm, is to pause. Um, take a deep breath. I, I teach that actually when I'm working with people on presentation skills. It's just to pause, pause, take a deep breath. Just think about your clear lines of responsibility. Um, and actually, I think it's also as a communicator, I'm a real believer that communication specialists should also stand up as leaders. Um, so it might be that you stand up and take the uh, take some decisions or have the courage to advise, have the moral courage to advise, which might actually go against what the chief exec has suggested. Um, so I think, um, I'll give you an example perhaps. Um, I, I dealt with a, um, on a different sort of side really, when I was in the military I dealt with a, um, sadly with a fatal helicopter crash and I was the incident controller whilst I was um, serving at um, RAF Shawbury. And I, as the incident controller, I wasn't the senior person there, the station commander is the senior person, but I um, was the incident controller. And what was impressive to me was him as the leader, um, the ultimate leader, I suppose, the station commander, standing back and let me, letting me manage and him just being the quiet push have you tried, have you done this have you done that but not taking over at all um so it, it's that quiet calm but assured approach i guess and when you see chief execs all getting quite you know anxious 
it's staying calm, perhaps sometimes not even responding to them, but looking interested in what they have to say. And I think that air of calmness and then affects everybody. Yeah, that's a, that's a good tip. And I guess um, in our roles as communicators, um, that calmness is pretty crucial in terms of helping guide people through, um, through that crisis. Yeah, don't get so, don't, you know, you, if, you, if you find yourself also getting carried away and your voice is being raised and you're starting getting angry or whatever, stop, yeah. stop, deep breath. Deep breath, deep breath and breathe, I like that. So um, we um, asked people what they were particularly interested in, in terms of um, how to manage um, a crisis as a communications professional. Um, and one of the things that, that came out quite strongly from that was around um, tips for managing a crisis on social media. So I guess people are feeling like social media is clearly, um, they're very strong, very visible channels. So um, do you have tips, um, tips for those listening um, about how you would manage a crisis on social media platforms? Yeah, um, there's, um, as I said earlier, I'm, I am a planner. That's that's what I that's what I do, I suppose. And I think you can plan you can plan for certain scenarios, actually. Um, so I I think you can plan, for instance, things like the most common types of crises likely you're likely to experience is going to be things like cyber and uh, cyber issues, as much as the NHS would want to cry, but other companies as well. Um, and you can you can plan for those type of um, as much as you can for those type of events and what you're going to do, how you're going to engage the stakeholders. So planning is the first thing. And I think um, there's this easy sort of nine step guide to <coughs> dealing with social media and how you, um, how you use social media. So the first thing I would say is you, um, you stop um, all your, your social media, essentially. When a crisis happens, you stop because you, you need to take stock, you really do. Um, you need just to, to think about, um, um, yeah, you need to think about how you're going to respond in a consistent manner. Mm. So that's the first thing to do. <clears throat> the second thing to do is liaise with, with partners. Um, because some of the crises that you're involved with, the ones I've been involved with, so that, that helicopter crash that I um, talked about earlier, for instance, um, the primacy sits with the police initially. Uh, until they're satisfied with the you know, potential scene of crime, um, so you can't just go ahead and just do your own stuff. You've got to liaise with your with other partners, whether it's the police, whether it's the fire brigade, whatever it might be. So any huge crisis like you know like Grenfell, or whatever, primacy sits with the police generally. So you've got to liaise with them. You can't just go off and just do your own messaging. So stop all your social media, liaise with your partners. You should have already developed some relationships with those partners. Hopefully, if you've had, if you're a big organisation, you've had some continuity. You've tested them. Um, think the third thing is to say you need to uh, acknowledge an issue. Uh, there's no point in going round round the houses saying, uh, you know, we uh, we can't we cannot comment. You've got to acknowledge an issue. So, give you an example where perhaps that's gone a little bit wrong. If you think of the noise around. Um, Saracens Rugby Club um, and um, the issues they've got on paying their their team members and, it, and they've been deducted points and relegated and blah 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 and never admitted that um, until recently that there was a they've made a mistake so you've got to acknowledge an, an issue 
Um, you then have got to create some sort of um, FAQ page. So when you see aircraft incidents, for instance, you always see that there's um, you, there's a, a, a fax page that you can go to generally on a website um, and that's got to be constantly updated. That is definitely a comms role to update that. So you're not on social media, you're not going to be able to put detail of um, the whole incident. The, you'll be able to put um, help and hope lines and such like, but you're not going to have all the detail. So that's why you need a fax page. Uh, so you need to create that on your, and, and then promote that. And then you start um, responding on social media. Um, I think it's important to use visual signs. Um, so not necessarily, um, it's not all words, it might be something that's visual. It, it, if, if it's a, a really terrible accident, you know, many people killed for you know, an aircraft accident or something like that, visual signs are absolutely good to show empathy and sympathy. And the other thing it's important as well is that you are going to get people who will want to complain and who will want to um, release some anger. And it's important to build a pressure valve release, I suppose. The important bit about that is you're not going to stop people complaining and you're not necessarily going to control that, but you can see it. If you provide them um, an open opportunity to uh, be able to respond, you can see it. What you don't want is something that's going on behind that gains momentum and you don't see. And in relation to that is a social media rule of two. So if you're getting people complaining and it's lots of detail, the rule of two essentially is you respond back to it um, and perhaps we need to take this offline, here's a number to contact, etc. If it's then a lot of vitriol again, then um, you, you do a final um, um, Twitter message or whatever or whatever it might be or Facebook message to say we can't continue this conversation online da, 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 da. let's get let's you know talk offline and here's the number to contact so it's a standard rule of two um, and then I think the last two um, two lessons um, for social media is to arm your army your best advocates are going to be your staff your social media advocates so give them the detail to be able to promote um, information. And that's not necessarily on social media, but give them the detail. Use your staff to be able to build a network of noise of, of what you're trying to do to cope with the crisis. So arm your army, I would say. Um, and the final bit is when it all calms down is learn your lessons. Um, there's always something you're going to learn. It's never perfect. Um, and it's always important to reflect back, isn't it? So, oh, blimey, that's long-winded, absolutely full of full of gems. And I think that the two that really resonated with me was about acknowledging the crisis. And I guess, you know, nearly everything you've said there actually applies whether you're doing that through social media or, or other channels. But quite often, I think people, when they're in a crisis, can become quite defensive and not not make that acknowledgement and that's really important isn't it for your, your stakeholders customers audience whoever they might be yeah. so i think that's definitely a good reminder and I, and I really like the rule of two particularly for the the social media handling because it you know yeah. in a crisis you're not going to have time <clears throat> to to have really long in-depth conversations with people over those channels and, and it wouldn't be appropriate to do so so um i think that thing about knowing you can be be kind of assertive and take those conversations offline is, is quite important to remember definitely 
I think that's a good, rule of two applies whatever in social media. I think if people are are wanting to know about detail that you can't give or it's personal stuff, rule of two applies on social media. What whatever. Um, and obviously, if it's getting into the realm of harassment and bullying, you just tell them that. And I think you should be assertive and tell them that. I'm not going to carry on a conversation if not using that sort of language. And you block them and not be frightened to do that. Um, but that rule of two generally is let, let's not carry on a conversation about personal stuff here. Let's phone this number. It applies in anything, doesn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess as a communications professional handling a crisis, um, it's it's our role to understand and articulate back to those other people um, who are part of that crisis management what what the audience, what the customers, what the key stakeholders will actually want from us um, in a crisis. Is that the right yeah. sort of approach to take? It is. I mean. It- if you think it's not rocket science, what they're going to want, they're going to want um, reassurance. Um, so in my military background, if I dealt with crises in the military, if it's an aircraft crash or whatever, one of the key things you thought about with the stakeholders was they want to be reassured that you know planes weren't falling out of the sky. So there's some element of reassurance and how you give that reassurance. Um, so they want some of that, they want some detail they definitely want to see sympathy and empathy and not the corporate face. So it's a good thing on social media to respond as in, um, my name's Martin, I'm responding on behalf of bloody blah, blah, NHS Trust. It gives that sort of sympathy and empathy. Um, I understand how you feel, etc. So those are the sort of important thing. It's not rocket science, is it? It's, it's just obvious stuff to, to think about. Um, but that reassurance, the, the other thing I would say is what, Although you've got to acknowledge an issue, if you don't know information, then you definitely do not give it. Um, Don't assume and don't make stuff up. But acknowledging an issue means you say, yes, there has been an incident. There's there's no point in going around the houses about that. We don't have the detail at the moment. We will um, issue the detail as soon as we do. So that's acknowledging the issue. If you don't know stuff, don't make it up. Absolutely, just potential to make the crisis worse for people, Try, trying to undo things in a crisis. Yeah, not good. And, uh, well, it's like when you do media training, when I do media training with people, is that um, you might have a pretty good idea of what the problem was, but you don't know for certain. Until you know for certain, which is likely to be after you know various incidents, um, reviews and all that sort of stuff, um, then don't uh, don't make any assumptions at all. You see that with um, with aircraft incidents, and uh, you they always get experts on saying, well, it could be this, and it could be that, and it could be that, and they always say, but well, we don't know, it's got to be explored. But they want the media want people to give some idea of what it possibly could be. Um, experts who are doing the investigation will not comment until they've got all the detail together. Yeah, so stick to the facts, and if you haven't got the facts, don't say it. <laughs> Exactly right, yeah. Um, and then we, we did have another question um, through our socials um, around crisis management, um, which uh, is talking about the role of the comms person um, around kind of guiding others and being part of that wider kind of crisis management team. So how do you manage as the comms professional when other people or perhaps more senior leaders within that crisis management team don't want to follow your expert communications advice? Um, I think you 
I, coming back to what I said about um, communications professionals being uh, being leaders, I think you've got to stand up and be counted. You've got to be confident. Um, you hope that you know smart leaders appoint people who are smarter than themselves. I like, I like that as a quote, mm-hmm. and have the confidence to trust their advice of their specialist. But we all know that <laughs> that doesn't always happen. I think you've always got to think in that the the chief exec or the person at the top, the buck stops with them. As an specialist, you can advise them, but if they elect to go a different way, that is entirely their right. Don't take it personally. Um, so you advise them, you make it clear of the risks either way. These are the approaches, this is our recommendation. But if they decide not to take your advice and go a different route, that that's fine, that's their call, because the buck stops with them. Um, so I, I comes back to the bit about staying calm, I suppose. You don't get angry if they're going to take a different route. The other, um, and the other thing is, I suppose, is once they have um, taken an, a, a route, which might have been against your advice, it then goes all pear-shaped, <laughs> which it might do, and uh, allow them the opportunity um, to back off with grace, I suppose. You definitely, definitely, I told you so. <laughs> um, that's going to wind up, and, it, and it's going to um, not just wind up, but it's it's about credibility, isn't it? And it's about face. So you allow them to back off with face, I guess. Um, so if they take a route, what you're and it goes wrong, what you're there to do is help them recover that, um, not the rub the nose in it, I, I guess. But I don't. But don't take it personally. But don't take take your advice. I've had examples like that, and actually, you know, sometimes they, the way they decided to go was yeah, probably the right way to go. I'll give you an example. We had a, a difficult situation with a um, a lady who was uh, compl- on Midlands Today, actually complaining about some various um, issues, and I wanted to put a spokesperson up. Um, to talk generally about how we deal with the, the type of issues she was complaining about. But um, I knew that we can't talk about specifics. So clearly you can't talk about you know patient specifics. And um, so it was going to be a, a one-to-one uh, interview with the, with the reporter. It's quite a challenge, but I was pretty confident we had spokespersons who could deal with that. But actually, the, um, so against my advice, the um, chief exec decided not to do that and just give a statement. So, um, and that's what happened. A statement was just read out by the reporter standing outside the hospital with a, um, and, and the backdrop was a signpost of the, of the hospital. And it looked all a bit cold and sort of naff. But um, actually, the story then sort of just drifted away. I thought it might um, keep going, but it, just, it did just drift away. So, in hindsight, probably the chief exec was probably. Um, yeah, right. It's, let's not uh, put a spokesperson up. I thought a spokesperson would be more empathetic, would answer it in more detail, would come across really well. But um, he elected not to do that. So, uh, so there you go. There's an example where the man at the top makes a decision wasn't on my advice, but in hindsight, he was probably right. Absolutely. So um, I think you've given us a really good um, 
overview of what a crisis uh, might look like and feel like and definitely some really great top tips um, for how to manage a crisis on social media um, and most of those tips I think can be applied to managing a crisis um, wherever it might be playing out. Um, I guess the thing that I've really taken from what you've said Martin is um, planning and being as prepared as possible in advance is really important so take the time to do that. Absolutely right. Yeah, I think there are, there are three elements of, of the crisis. There's the pre the pre planning bit, and trying and testing. Uh, that's so so worthwhile. I can tell you that it actually works. The military do it all the time, and my background in the military is you get that all the time about how you plan, how you plan. So when I dealt with that yeah, that helicopter crash, for instance, it's, it's open the book and then go through the various points and the various steps. Homs was part of that and fast moving within within 15 minutes the the incident was photographed and it was on the bbc website and this was a number of years ago now so it's moving faster now but the book sort of goes you go through the various steps if you like and it had been tested so we tried tabletop stuff um different scenarios we tested it and i think with comms and crisis comms you can plan like i said there are there are certain things you know are more likely to happen Staff sickness, which could cause you a real issue. Um, things like cyber. Um, if you're a bigger organisation, the other the, the other big thing is inappropriate behaviour of senior staff. Um, mm. You've just seen that with the um, the chief finance secretary up in in Scotland. So um, so those are the sort of the top three that you can think. Well, how are we going to deal with that? Um, for some of them, you can almost have prepared statements. But not just that, when you know a potential issue is looming, so for instance, if you're in the NHS and you know there's going to be an inquest and it's going to be a really challenging and difficult inquest, you can prepare spokespersons and you can prepare lines to take, etc. So that's that pre-bit, if you like, the planning bit, and it does work. Then there's the crisis itself and how you handle the crisis, and that's a bit about you know staying calm, um, having time and be kind to yourself, have time, some time to have some respite because a crisis generally will go on for, them for quite some time. So you've got to have people to cover. And then the final bit, the important bit, is to post-crisis to just review. What do we need to change? What did we do well? What could we have done better with, uh, with doing? Uh, so there's that three elements, if you like. But I'm a planner, I'm a strategist, and I think it does work. Excellent. Thank you so much, Martin. That was really helpful. Um, I'm sure it will spark more thoughts and questions from people. So we may well, <coughs> excuse me, we may well be revisiting the topic with you um, at some point. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for uh, for listening. Um, I'd like to thank you, Martin, um, for sharing your expertise and advice. How do people find out more about you um, and Tandem Comms if they would like to? Well, if they if they Google TandemComs.co.uk. Uh, that's my website and they'll, they'll see a bit more about me and what I do um, or they can contact me on my phone number which is 07376 364 747 um, or email me martin at tandemcoms.co.uk um, always happy to have a chat with people or have a coffee so uh, and explore how I can help them Brilliant. Thank you so much, Martin. We'll put all those details in the notes of the episode. Um, and thank you once again for your time. Thanks, Martin. It's a pleasure.